I want to talk this morning about a message that is going to kind of set up the tone for tonight's activities with, as a family meeting. Um, we're instructed in the Word that we are the body of Christ. And it's interesting how God uses analogies that we can so much relate to in the physical terms. We are the body of Christ. What does that mean to be the body? It means to be that we are an organized function. We are an organized system of different parts, different pieces. And uh, we're going to talk about that as well. And we're going to understand throughout the service today, throughout the message today, of what it means to be part of that organized system. And I think what's important that we understand is that we, as a part of a body, we're not responsible to do everything. And it's important because sometimes we get a complex about us that says, I'm going to do it all. And that becomes crippling because we can't do it all. You have a part to play. And you have a very important part to play. But it's important that we understand that the part we play is just that. It's a part. And I say that because it gives freedom to us, knowing that we don't have to do everything that needs to be done. But we have to do something that has to be done. Part of our mission statement that we have in the foyer where it says we're to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance, we base that on Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. And it says that after the servant was faithful with the master's um, stewardship, the Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter in thou to the joy of, the, of thy Lord. So often we skip over verses that we read a lot. And I know that I've read this verse a lot. And quite honestly, I've, I've, what I've read was, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Those are the things that have caught my eye. Because I want to hear, first of all, I want to hear Jesus say, Well done, Mike, you did a good job. And then I want to hear him say, Come in and share your master's happiness. But what's in between is really, really important. Because you have been, it says you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. He said a few things you've been faithful over, but I'm going to put you in charge over many things. You see the difference? See the significance there? He didn't say you've had been faithful with many things, therefore I'm going to put you in charge of a few things. He said, no, I'm going to multiply it towards you. You've been faithful with a few things. And the multiplication effort of Christ's power says, because you were faithful with a few, I will give you many. Many times we get it confused that we think we have to do everything to get a little bit from God. And where that comes from is the enemy. The enemy constantly takes God's promises and turns them backwards and gives them to us. The enemy's promise says, you do everything and you might get a little at the end. And he says it that way because he wants to bog you down with details. 
He wants to put so much burden on you, so much weight on you, that he paralyzes you with, if you can't do it all, then don't bother doing anything. And that's not true. That's not right. That's unbiblical. What's biblical, he says, when you're faithful with a few things, the things that I'm going to give you according to your ability, when you're faithful with those, then I will bless you with many things thereafter. That's the promise of God, and that's the thing that we want to focus on. I want to look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and 15. There's a parable there that I don't want to go into the full length of the parable because we've, we've done it, we've been through that before, and we'll do that again later. But really the parable is, I'll just highlight it for you, it's a master that is going on a journey. He's going to be gone for a long period of time. So he takes his, his inheritance or his money and he, he gives it to three different stewards. One steward, he gives five bags of gold. The other steward, steward he gives two bags of gold. And the, other, the third steward, he gives one bag of gold or talent or a piece of a, a section of, or amount of money. Well, I don't care which way you want to call it. But basically, he gave them some valuable items. And he said he wanted them to take care of that for them while he was gone and to, uh, and to work it. Because we're created to be workers. God created man to be workers. So he said, I'm going to go away now for a long time. I'm going to trust you with, these, with this valuable stuff, this money. Invest it. And when I come back, show me the reward. Show me what you've done with it. Show me your, your, your outcome of that process. We talked about process. Show me the outcome of your process when I come back. But what's interesting here, when we read how he set it up, he said, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, or talent, as the NIV translation has it. Here's the word that I want to make the point. He gave each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. He gave each according to his ability. He didn't give everybody five bags. He didn't give everybody two bags. He gave him, he gave his stewards the amount according to their ability. Now, why do you think that's important that Jesus, this is his parable, this is Jesus speaking, why do you think it's important that Jesus would, would make that point according to his ability that he gave him that? It's important because Jesus said it. <laughs> so now let's figure out why he said it. What's important? It's important because we are all different people. We're different. We have different skills. We have different talents. We have different giftings. But that's not what our society likes to say. Our society says no equal opportunity, equal pay, equal rights. Our society wants to make us all the same. It wants to level the playing field for everybody. But I don't see that to be biblical. And I don't say this so that we get prideful. I don't say this that we get arrogant. I don't say this any other way than to say that Jesus gave the talents according to people's ability. That is a freeing message to all of us. Because we're, there is nothing wrong with being different. There's nothing wrong 
with being diverse in our skill sets. Many times we take a look at it, though, and we want to judge people accordingly. We want to say, because I'm better than you at something, that makes me a better person in general. Again, that's asked a very, very obvious question. Where does that come from? That is not coming from God because that's not, God, that's not why God made us different. He didn't make us different so that we could judge each other. He didn't make us different so that one person could say, I'm better than you. Because in all reality, when we look at the whole scope of our lives, there are different things that you're better than I'm at and I'm better than you at on different functions. And what's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that, that that you would be better at one thing than I am? Or that I'm better at one thing than you are? What's, What's good about that is that when I come together into a body, that you do what you're good at, I do what I'm good at, and when we come together, we're functioning very, very healthy. That we don't have to be good at the same things. And if I'm not good at what you're at, I'm not, I shouldn't be envious of you. I shouldn't think anything bad of you if you're not as good as I am at something. We should encourage each other in the strengths that each other has. And there's no reason to think that we have to be the same. I know that goes against the culture. That goes against our politically speaking correctly. But when we focus on our individual strengths and then see how that comes together into the body of Christ, how functioning we can be in a positive manner and how unfunctioning or how dysfunctional we can be when we all think we have to be the same level of skill set or the same level of ability or all have to do the same thing equally as well. It's not healthy. It's not, it's not a proper perspective. Tonight at the church meeting, we're going to talk about that a little bit because we need each other. I need you to be who you are. Did you hear all that? I need you to be who you are and your strength and your functionality, and this church needs that just as much. Very important that we understand that because as the body of Christ, when we look at the whole, we see a a very strong organization when it's operating well, when it's healthy. And we see a very dysfunctional, um, small-minded, inept defeated body of Christ when we're not operating in a healthy fashion. That's the way the devil wants to keep us. The devil does not want us to be healthy. He does not want us to be vibrantly strong and functioning because if we are strong and functioning, you know what's going to happen? People are going to be drawn to us and this church and Christ's body is going to grow. And I'm not talking about just the Assembly of God Church. I'm talking about every church in Charlevoix as a community. Every church in Charlotte needs to be operating functionally as, a, as an efficient body of Christ. And when it operates, then p- different people, again, with different strengths, will be attracted to different groups of people, and they will grow as a body of Christ. I'm not talking about growing this church. I'm talking about growing the body of Christ. And it's so important that we keep that perspective and understand our, our role in it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read a lot of scripture here, and we're going to read this out of the message translation. Again, sometimes we read the, the, the NIV or we read the King James Version. And if that's, all, if that's the only versions you ever read, there's nothing wrong with those versions. But sometimes another version helps you take a look at something just a little bit differently. 
So we're going to read today. We're going to spend most of our time today in the message translation. And I think we have that up on the screen so that way you can read it because most of us don't have the message Bible. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 12, we're, we're going to start off by saying that God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is giving something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. And then he lists the variety. Wise counsel clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues and interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. Everybody in the body of Christ has a gift. Whether you know it or not, whether you want to recognize it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, you have a gift. Nobody is left out. People will deny that so many times because they think it's prideful if they recognize that they have a gift from God. It's not prideful to say you're gifted by God. It's acknowledging that God has gifted you with something that you need to do. And that you, need to, you need, that you need to take hold of. Again, just like we spoke in that parable, you have something that you have to be a steward over. You're not going to be pride. You're not going to be gifted in every area. There's only one man that was gifted in every area, and that was Jesus Christ. But we all have certain gifts in different areas. And so as I'm faithful over the, the few gifts that God has given me, as I'm faithful to be a good steward over the few things that he's entrusted me with, then I, then, and, and as you are faithful in the same fashion over your things that you're faithful for, then we together come together as a, as a functioning body. Let's continue to read. You can, easily see, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, they're all still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all, say, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to, live, to independently call our own shots. But when we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has a final say in everything, this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized, each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit where we all come to drink. The old labels we, we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. Okay, let's stop for a minute here. Being part of a large organization is exactly what God had in mind for us. We are not to be single individuals. We are not to be out on our own saying, I don't need church. I don't need to be a part of some organization. I don't, if you start saying that, you're, you, it won't be long before you will get deceived in some way or some fashion in your life. Because that's disobedient to what God's Word says. 
We are to be part of a body. And when you're part of a body, it's for your own protection. A good example is you take a look. If you ever watch the National Geographic Channel or if you, these nature shows, you see what happens in the, in, the, in the large herds of animals, the way they run together. They run together because there's safety in numbers. You look at predators when they attack a herd, what, they have to single out some weak animal. If they don't single out a weak animal, a lion runs into a herd of, 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 of zebra or whatever he runs into in Africa. And if he doesn't focus on one individual animal, he just runs in and wastes, his, wastes all his energy because he's not going to catch the group. He has to catch one individual. And he picks the weak one. He picks the one that's old or tired or, or it's lame or it's sick. And he attacks that one. And that's just what the enemy does in our life. He attacks those that are weak. And that's why the body is so important that you're a part of. Because when you get weak, you need to be part of the body that the body can protect you in your weakness. If you, if you think you can go it alone, if you think you can do it by yourself, you're deceiving yourself because you can't. We cannot live, we cannot battle the enemy on our own, on our own ground. He is more powerful than us, we, as individual people. Even though we have Christ within us, the Bible never says stay on your own. Even if you have Christ within you, people say, oh, I can worship, I can worship in nature. I can worship in my whatever I want to do. Well, here's the deal. Yes, you can for a season. Yes, you can while you're strong. Yes, you can for a period of time. But there's going to come a time when you're going to get weak. There's going to come a time when you're going to get sick. There's going to come a time when you're going to get discouraged. And if you are still by yourself in the woods and you're weak, you're prey to the animals around you. That's why church is so important. That's why the body of Christ is so important, that we surround each other with love and compassion and mercy and grace. And when those around us are sick and are having a hard time physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, we don't kick them when they're down. We embrace them. We love them, we lift them up, and we make them healthy again. Our tendency, however, though, is to judge them when they're down. Our tendency is to say, ah, oh, he never was a good Christian to begin with. He never will make it. That's wrong. Why do we say things like that? Why do we judge people like that? And you know you do. You know you do, because I do sometimes. And it's wrong, and we can't do that. When we see a person that's struggling, we need to come around them with love and compassion and mercy and build them back up, because then we're doing what we're supposed to do as part of the body. We're protecting the body. We're not eating our own young. We're protecting it. Let's continue to read. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I am not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't, I don't belong to this body, what would make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all an eye, how could it hear? If all an ear, how could it smell? As it is said, as it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it to be. Like we talked about at the beginning, we're all different. 
We're all meant to be different. And it's okay to be different. Continuing on. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. What we would have is one body, I'm sorry, what we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or a head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out? As a matter of fact, in practice it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's part of your own body, you are concerned with it. It makes you no different. It makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If, you, if anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer a good digestion, good digestion to a full-bodied hair? You know, this is kind of funny when you read through this, isn't it? But yet, it is so much truth here. If I'm looking at my body, I don't really care what my stomach looks like as long as it's working. I don't really care. I don't have, there are no pride issues in my body. My knee doesn't care that it's a knee. My knee doesn't want to be the heart. There's no pride there. There's no arrogance there. There's no jealousy there. There's no envy there. It just wants to be the knee. But yet, in a Christian body, why, don't, why can't we see our function that way? If you're the knee in the Christian body, be happy being the knee. Right? If you're the eye, be happy being the eye. The problem is we can't see it that way so many times because we're deceived in that we think we're better, we're better than what we are. That we should be given a higher place because of something about us. Because of something. Because of how much money we have. Because of, of our race. We don't have a lot of racial issues here. But that's a big problem in some parts of the country. Our ethnic stature. Our name. Our, our, our gender. But my body doesn't care. If you're really part of the body of Christ, you won't care who's sitting next to you. You won't care. You'll love them just as much as if it was somebody else. You won't care if you're really part of the body of Christ. It's also important that we understand that the significance that we have is not based on my individual talent, but it's how my, my individual talent fits into the system. I, I, am, I flourish, my body flourishes when all parts of me work good together. And my, my body doesn't flourish when something's out of whack. Same thing in the body of Christ. The body of Christ flourishes when everybody's working together. When somebody doesn't say, no, I deserve more credit, I deserve more honor, I deserve more, that's the beginning of an unhealthy body. And we need to worry about that. We need to be concerned about that. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. In accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. Doesn't that sound like Jesus in the parable saying that he gave each one according to their ability? He gives us according to our faith, according to our ability. We are different people. And it's okay to be different. I don't know why I'm stressing that so much, but I mean that's just the thing in my mind right now is that we're okay to be different. And we're to embrace diversity. We're not supposed to run from it. We're not supposed to make us all little me's or little you's. That's lambs. Um, I'm glad somebody got that. Otherwise, I would have looked really stupid. James, the brother of Jesus, addresses this as well. In James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Wow. That's a pretty hard word there for us that judge. So stop judging. Stop looking at people's outward appearances. And looking at the heart, try to be Christ-like in what, the way Jesus says things. You know, if you had to choose between a good digestion system, a good, <laughs> I don't want to say that. If you chose between having be able to digest your food well and having a full head of hair, which would you choose? Jason's got a good full head of hair, but old... You know, um, Patrick next to him is kind of struggling with that. But that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm more concerned about that I can digest food than more what I look like. And isn't that a healthy way to look at life? A church is so important that we look and operate in the same fashion. We can look really good from the outside. We can look really good, really healthy. To the, to the people looking out, they can see a full parking lot. They can see chairs full. They can see us looking good and dressing good and, and coming in and, 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 you know, we're all slapping, you know, high fives and, and hugging each other and saying, hey, how was your day? And, and, and having a lot of good fellowship, you know. But if we're not functioning inside, then it's just a show. And they're going to see the inner workings not being functional and they're not going to be attracted to us because they're going to see it as a, as a hairpiece on a bald head and, and, and a stomach that isn't working because we're not digesting the food of God. We're not listening. We're not hearing. We're not preaching. We're not teaching the Word of God and therefore we're not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and therefore we're just uh, a, a, a man that looks good, or we're a church that looks good with no substance. We're shallow. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. So let's talk the truth. Let's talk the Bible. Let's continue reading. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part depending on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. 
If one part hurts, every other part is involved in a hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of the body does your part mean anything. Only, that's really good. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church. Then he goes in and lists them all again. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, those who pray in tongues. But it's obvious by now, isn't it, that Christ's church is a complete body, not a gigantic, unidimensional part. It's not all just one thing. As we conclude today, I want to make sure that we understand that we are all a part of the body of Christ. We are all important. We all have a function that is unique to each one of us. And you are needed to fill that area of functionality. That's why God has placed you in this church. We need you to be active in your church body. And most importantly, it's for your benefit that you become active in your church. Why is it for your benefit? Why is it for your benefit? It's for your benefit because, let's go back to our mission statement. If you're faithful over a few things, you will be rewarded with many things. So it is for your benefit that you take up your role and your responsibility in this church. Because if you're not faithful over those few things, you will have no reward in heaven. Let's just, get, let's just make it real simple. Let's not try to get complicated about it. Let's not try to make it too, too high and too mighty. Let's just bring it down to reality. And reality is... We need you. And you need us. We need each other. We need to be part of a family. We need to be part of the body of Christ. And we need to be active in it. You don't have any problem being active in your employment, I hope. You get a paycheck from your employer, don't you? Come Fridays or every other Friday, you get a paycheck. At least you're supposed to. And that's, that's a good feeling. That's nice to have. But that will not compare at all to hearing your father say, Well done, thou good and faithful. Well done. You were faithful over a few things. Now come share your master's happiness. Because you were faithful over the few things, you have many. I've multiplied it out to you many, many more times than any check from any employer would ever go. So why we can be so diligent in our work and in our physical beings, but so insignificant and so uncaring in the spiritual world... Understand one more time, where does that come from? It comes from the devil. The devil wants to keep you uninvolved in your church. And he does that because he wants to destroy you. He doesn't want to make you more successful in your job. He doesn't want you to be more heavily involved in your job so that you're so tired you can't come to church on Sunday. He's not doing that because he wants you to get ahead in life. He wants you to do that because he wants to destroy you. He wants to take you down. He wants to rob you of all the benefits and all the glory that God has in store for you. So when I can be diligent about my body of Christ, when I can be happy to be the ankle bone, and I can be happy to be the, 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 the inner working, when I can be happy doing the things that aren't seen, and I know many of you do things in this church that are not seen, how significant that is. How significant that is. That's more important. It's more important that you do what you don't, what nobody sees, than what I do when I preach. 
Because the Bible says the first will be last and the last will be first. The ones that will be rewarded heavier in heaven are the ones that we don't even know what they're doing on earth. The ones that are going to be the ones with most responsibility in heaven are going to be the little gray-haired ladies that pray, and that's all they do is pray. Pray and pray and pray. And I'd never see them one time shovel the driveway. So what? They're not supposed to shovel the driveway. Scott and Denny are. So let them do it. But you, little lady, or you, old man, or whoever you are, young person, just do what you're supposed to do. And when you do that, God is honoring you. He's seeing that, and he's rewarding you for what you do, not what you, should, not what you think you should do, or not because you're not seen. If you'd stand with me, if you would, please. I need some help. I need a couple guys to help me. Cam and Ben. I am passing out today that what we're going to talk about tonight, do not let this overwhelm you and do not, do not, not come because you don't want to be placed on this. If you don't come, I guarantee you will be placed on it. What I have, uh, I'm an engineer. And I kind of think in engineering terms sometimes. I put together an org chart. I have enough for maybe one a family, okay? So just don't hand them out too much because I, I can make more. But this is what I want you to pray about. I know this is small writing here, but, you know, there is an awful lot to run in a church. More than what I ever, ever knew <laughs> a couple years ago. It's, how many people here have been on a cruise uh, on the big cruise ships, how many have watched shows about them? How many know that when you go down the cruise ship, that there is a lot of stuff underneath you holding that ship up and making all the food and preparing all the stuff that's got to go on to make your trip successful and to make your vacation fun? There's a lot of work that goes on to the support structure of a, to make a cruise ship functional. There's a lot of support, a lot of structure in a functioning church that nobody sees. But if we don't have that function, if we don't have that support structure, we're going to be a shallow hell. And we're not going to live long, quite honestly. We're going to be a dying organism. So if we're going to be functioning, if we're going to be strong, we need to take responsibility for your church, for our church. So what we're going to talk about tonight is these functions. You don't have to do them all. Okay, you don't have to do them all. Thank goodness, right? Hopefully you can read them. Put your glasses on. And we're going to talk about them too tonight, and we're going to prayerfully consider the things that you can do, the things that we can do to make our church functional and to make it strong and vibrant and healthy. Is everybody okay with that? Thank you for this opportunity to be a part of your church. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to be different. And, Lord, that we know that you love us in our diversity. You love us in our uniqueness. You've made us this way. You didn't make a mistake. We're not a mistake. We're not here because we shouldn't be here. We're here because you intended us to be here. Thank you for that, Jesus. Now help us to come back strong, ready to work, ready to be a vibrant part of your church. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.